Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to What A Load Of Cobblers, a debrief for conversation on Northampton Town 1, Bristol Rovers 1. I'm Tom Reed, and today I'm joined by Wallach regulars James Averill and Martin Maloney and from the Bristol Rovers end, Kaz May. Kaz, let's give you the first word from the opposition end. I saw you on Twitter yesterday saying you were going to have a few drinks to drown your sorrows. I guess the draw was about as much use to Rovers as it was to Cobblers in terms of staying up. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, both teams needed to win, to be honest. Um, we certainly needed to win. Obviously, we were embedded in the relegation zone and we needed to get out of it, um, especially with Wimbledon winning, Wigan winning. Um, it, sh- it was just a must-win game. And to be 1-0 up um, and throw it away the way we did, um, it's just disappointing. It's two points drops, to be honest. Um, but I think it was fair. I do think it was two teams that were... Not very good. Um, two teams that are under a lot of pressure. Um, so it was as expected. It was scrappy. Um, we didn't have much, much, like many chances, to be honest. Once we've gone one nil up, we kind of sat back and we allowed Northampton to put pressure on us. Um, yep. So it was kind of, it was one of those things. If you don't capitalise on your lead, then you're going to be nervous towards the end. And you did panic us. Um, so you did well at pressing us. And uh, yeah, you managed to get that penalty. But to be honest, um, I didn't really think it was a penalty at the time. Um, I thought perhaps Bolden was fouled first, but I'm not using it as an excuse because I think we should have just gone on and put the game to bed early. But we failed to do that and uh, probably a fair result and does us no favours. And I have no idea what we're going to do from that one, to be honest. Yeah, I, you were talking to me about the Rovers team and the Rovers season and you were fairly pessimistic. And then I saw you at points in that first half and I thought, actually, you were looking fairly strong on the counter. You scored the goal. You were doing pretty well at set pieces. And I thought, actually, they're pretty good. And then it just you just didn't capitalise on the on the lead, which is quite criminal from your end. I didn't think we played particularly well, but um, we did at least sort of battle pretty well. And at least we saw it out to the end. Um, James... It was a weird one, wasn't it? Because we didn't play particularly well, as I said, but got a draw and are somehow still two points above the drop zone. Yeah, I thought Bristol Rovers were comfortably the better side in the mm. first half. Um, that said, we, we kind of grew into the game a little bit, like has been mentioned, and I thought we were the better side in the second half without threatening a huge amount, which I feel like is a bit of a cliche that I've used uh, <laughs> a lot this season. Yeah, um, yeah I, I feel like the draw probably was a fair result. In the end, I don't think either team really warrant did enough, frankly, to warrant getting three points. Yeah. But um, it's it's also a result that doesn't didn't really do much for either side, did it? So mm. uh, it's kind of, like you say, we we didn't really learn much from it, other than that it was it looked like two teams who are rightfully down where they should be in the table. That's a fair summary. And um, Martin, I guess it comes down now to 
both teams in terms of Cobblers and Bristol Rovers, both teams pretty rancid running. We've both got very difficult running and who blinks first in terms of dropping points. Um, like I said to James, a bit of a strange one that I don't think we played great, but maybe that two points might prove crucial at some point. It's... Yeah, I, th- I think um, we we we'd all say it's a, it needed a positive result either 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 way on both sides be dis- could be disappointed. Yeah. I thought there was there was something that took me back to the to our 2014-15 running, which obviously Kaz won't remember with any any great um, joy, as that was the one where Rovers only dropped into the bottom two of the league um, yeah. <laughs> on the last day last day of the season. I have a a good a good friend who's a gas head up in Hinkley and. Um, he he's got a lot of stick for that. Even the six nil a few years ago didn't erase didn't erase that one. But um, Rovers in the first half, I felt there was a little bit where it could have been us at Dagenham in that season, where Ivan Tony made uh, made his is kind of I think it was his first start and scored scored like the overhead kick and the diving header, and it was almost like we were out of sight before um, before Dagenham started playing, and it felt when Rovers had that. Um, that period of possession and, and corners, um, the one of the two, stri- two strikers got through, but was a little a little slow making his mind up, and Harriman got back with a great tackle. It felt like then that was Rovers' moment where get a second. You know, Cobblers have only come. For, that's the second time we've gone behind and got anything out of a game all season, and it. I felt if Rovers had got a second then our confidence is too fragile and they'd have been out of sight and they, they'd be in a great position today. And then kind of, I think as, um, as James alluded to, um, we second half cobblers looked a, a whole lot better. Um, and, you know, probably will feel they probably should have done enough to, to get, you know, to get, um, a second goal. But, um, Obviously, that that shot against the bar, everything could have changed. But yeah, I'd I'd suggest that everyone's probably a little bit unhappy with the result, but probably thinking, well, either side could have lost that and would be feeling very much amongst the favourites to go down. So, mm. what is it? What is it we say? It's 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 not the disappointment that kills you; it's the hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well well said, Martin. Um, Kaz, I can imagine it didn't go down great in. Rovers side of Bristol that um, result but I guess your manager couldn't really be too sort of critical because you've got so many important games to play was he was the manager fairly um, Joey Barton was he fairly sort of uh, not positive but you know trying to keep spirits up after the result not really to be honest he said it was two, he said it was two points dropped which it was um yeah. and you just got to be honest here and say that the the boys threw it away um you know it's it's, it's frustrating you're, you're in the lead it's a massive relegation six pointer you don't sit back at one nil you've got to keep going you've got to put that game to bed um yeah. so yeah he was rightly frustrated um but I think he's a lot to blame for it. I think he got everything tactically wrong. Um, how Iunga stayed on for the full 90 minutes is beyond me. Um, why he didn't bring Daly on sooner. It's just a lot of questions to ask, really. I thought Northampton got it right um, in terms of tactics. So it's just it was just a big difference to how we approached the game, to be honest. If we approached it the way that we approached the Doncaster game on Monday, we might have got some out of it. But I think we were just too negative. Um, we thought we, we'd done enough by going 1-0 up, and evidently we didn't. I didn't really feel threatened by Northampton, to be honest. I didn't think you guys were going to score from open play. Um, yeah. I, there, there, was a, there weren't many times where I, where I was actually panicking, um, but I knew that something was going to happen. There'll be a decision that goes goes against us because 
it's always the case at 1-0. It's just not enough to go in at 1-0. At, at and um, I thought your sub that came on, is it number 45? I can't remember his name. Uh, Mark, Mark Marshall. Marshall, the winger. I, I thought he made, he made a good impact, which was the clear difference um, for you guys in the second half. Um, mm. and we, di- we didn't have that. We didn't have that impact sub. And uh, yeah, like I said, I think Joey just got it wrong and he's got to take some responsibility for that. Mm. Um, that Ayunga you mentioned, I actually thought for the, maybe the first 25 minutes, he was actually a fairly strong physical presence up front. He wasn't going to score you many goals. Mm. Maybe the ball was sticking for you a little bit more and we can talk about it a bit later with James um, Martin that Rose and Edmondson, the ball wasn't falling for them at all. And But I, I guess for you over the 90 minutes, Ayunga just didn't do the business and you know get the ball in the back of that. Yeah, I mean, that's a, it, it's the story of our season, to be honest. Our strikers have let us down massively. Uh, last time one of our strikers scored a goal was February. Um, wow. <laughs> and they, uh, yeah. Probably the same as us, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's shocking, to be honest. And between them, they scored hardly any. Yeah. You, you guys got quite, um, I assume, quite a bit of money from Posh for um, Clark Harris, and he's he's done great over there. But have they just not spent that money <laughs> or not spent it well? I think they've just not spent it well. Um, but then I don't know what goes on because I don't know if, if we even got all that money because he, he was still with us at the start of the season. He went because the transfer window stayed open for quite a while, didn't it? A little bit longer yes. because of COVID. Yes. So he was actually with us. Um, he did all pre-season with us. And I think we actually sold him quite late. So whether that money came through in time for us to reinvest properly, I don't actually know. Um, so it may still be sat somewhere. But yeah, we haven't found a, a replacement for him. I mean, he scored... 27 goals now this season, which is massive. If we yeah. had him in this side, I mean, like you said, we played some good football. Um, there are spells when we do look a good side, but we are lacking that quality up front. If we had JCH, there's nowhere, no way we'd be anywhere near this relegation zone. So it's a shame. We should have just chucked money at him to, to try and keep him, but we didn't want to do that. And uh, it's our loss at the end of the day, and it's, it's our price to pay. It was funny listening to, to Joey Barton's interview, actually, because the two main themes that I picked up on were one individual mistakes and two strikers not scoring goals and I thought crikey this sounds like us you know the the two teams seem to have the same problem so (laughs) yesterday's game didn't really pan out as much of a surprise in that yeah clearly they don't have strikers who are scoring enough goals for them at at the moment Mm -hmm. so it's it's quite strange isn't it how (laughs) you know that's kind of aligned like that given that Mm -hmm. you know um you know you've obviously had that money uh, from from Clark and and we had the good money which we haven't really kind of uh, either invested or it's been used to kind of keep us ticking over for, for this season so it's mm. interesting to see whether we've had two teams that have maybe played it a bit more cautious financially um, or whether they just haven't invested that money well like we say yeah it's similar with um, Vidane Oliver as well isn't it like you, for, for Clark Harris you could have subbed in Vidane Oliver we didn't really speculate to accumulate in terms of keeping Vidane Oliver probably understandably in terms of the Covid finances but that failure, Martin said it quite a few times on the show. Yeah, I'd, I'd, to him. I think I, I'd say, you know, I'd defend um, Rovers on that. More, you know, Posh come in with a lot of money and they're probably not taking no for an answer and you get a decent fee yeah. for someone. Vidane Oliver, we, we made a conscious choice not to pay someone what Gillingham would pay them. Mm. And he's travelling, you know, he's a Sheffield lad. Northampton's a lot closer than London. Also, Kent, you know. I think that was in our hands. I think with all due respect to Rovers, Posh are well run. And we know we've often said much as we despise the buggers. It's <laughs> uh, it's a well-run club and they will go for good good young players. 
And I think once they come knocking, you're probably going to end up selling at some, at some point. But yeah, for Dane Oliver was all our own doing, I think. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Um, let's sort of talk, just flip it a little bit from not scoring goals to actually goals that were scored. Obviously, two goals were scored yesterday. Um, the first Rovers goal came on 19 minutes. Really difficult tie for Cobbers, really, because I thought we were up against it. The set pieces from Rovers were pretty good at that point. Uh, a corner came in uh, in deep, as we've been targeted all season with deep corners. Um, Luke Leahy, who Kaz sort of tagged up as the uh, top scorer for Rovers, actually, I think. Um, he, he got a free header. The ball was parried back into his path by Mitchell. And we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, and Leahy makes no mistake from close range. Um, Kaz, it wasn't a bad set piece goal and you must have thought at that point you're off to the perfect start yeah exactly and with Luke Leahy it's an interesting one he's our left back and he's our top scorer and I mean that just goes to show how bad this team is this season <laughs> um so he's in double figures now um and he is he is good he's good in front of goal actually he's, we kind of use him as like a left wing back um because he is that sort of presence he, he does have an eye for goal um and yeah it was obviously it was going to be him um because that it just seems to be what he does this season. Um, but yeah, it's like like I said earlier, we have spells, um, and that was another spell that we had. I think we had, I can't remember if that a younger chance was just before that where he took about twenty touches and didn't <laughs> shoot. Um, so that just goes that sums it up to be honest with our strikers. That's why he didn't shoot, I don't know. Um, and then we had a corner, and then we had another corner, didn't we? So it was it was quite a short spell of where we were really putting the pressure on the cobblers. And um, yeah, yeah it, it just looked like that pressure got to you a bit and uh yeah Lee he just took his chance and yeah to be honest I don't think there's one Rovers fan out there that thought we were going to hold on to it to be honest it's it's not enough for us to go one and up it's not even enough for us to go three nil up to be honest so <laughs> when we went when we went four nil up against um Accrington and then they got one back and it was on 56 minutes or something we were all so nervous that they were, we were going to go and lose it because that's just Bristol mm -hmm. Rovers all over so yeah like I said we just needed to get that second goal um if we did that that we had a, a free kick just before half time. Um, if we had got that second goal, then um, then we would have felt a lot more comfortable. But we put the pressure on ourselves big time by uh, yeah not getting that second goal. Yeah, and uh, yeah again that lack of what's the word strength when you're ahead it mirrors cobblers as well. We've thrown away quite a good few positions, so yeah, it's pretty similar to us. Um, James, the we've mentioned Mitchell's mistakes a few times this season, and his parry straight into the middle of the goal reminded me of the stuff you'd see in the park as kids, a bit jumpers for goalpost stuff from Mitchell. It's a difficult one because at the time I didn't think I didn't think there was a great deal he could do it uh, do about it. I thought it did come in. It was a pretty close range header, and it was a free header. Um, mm. And the, the 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 problem was because it was it was the guy who, I think it was Lee who had the header, and then tucked it in wasn't it from the rebound and yeah. Harriman sprawled on the floor from from the challenge uh that he's made early with him so I think Harriman would probably be a bit disappointed that he's not shown a bit more strength there to stay on his feet and then be alert to to the rebound in terms of the the parry it's difficult to say because I'm I'm, I'm kind of used to I, I know what kind of Mitchell's you know flaws are now and I, I can't really remember whether any other keepers would be kind of be able to parry that to the to the side or not, I'd I'd be inclined to maybe give him the benefit of the doubt on this one that it was a close range header straight at him, um, and there wasn't a huge amount more he could do to kind of direct the parry. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I think perhaps because of the amount of mistakes he's made, we're we're, we're possibly looking for one there. I, I, if I'm honest, I don't think he could have done a huge amount more. 
but I think we're kind of used to him parrying it into the six yard box now so even when it's possibly the only thing he can do it's almost kind of automatically seen as as a mistake isn't it so no I I don't think he could have done a huge amount more if I'm honest Mm. but it it, it was it was was the end of kind of like a pretty wretched spell of defensive uh, defending for us though for that it was about a 10 minute spell wasn't it It I think it all stemmed from when Horsfall got closed down didn't he and he kind of weirdly kicked it out for a corner yeah. Didn't he? And we just didn't seem to recover for about 15 minutes from that. It just felt like it was a Rovers attack after Rovers attack. And we just couldn't live with them. And it, it, the goal had been coming for a good 10 minutes before it did finally come. Yeah. Sometimes it just feels like a goal is inevitable just by the waves and waves of attack. And just like it just it feels like yeah something's going to happen. And that horse for strange clearance into touch was a strange one. And probably not the confidence a bit. Um, Martin, are you with James on that one, giving him the benefit of the doubt, or he, with me that Mitchell was a bit too flappy and that, that he uh, um, hurried it into the wrong place. I think I think when it's from that close range and that flat almost co- coming at you, it's difficult to deflect it wide. Um, so I think a, a bit like James has said, so, you know, maybe he gets the benefit on that, but we've got, you know, we've got massive issues with goalkeepers. I, you know, I'm not one for getting on at Mitchell because he, he's, he, you know, he's okay. He might be football league quality, but probably not, but we've got no one better. There's no changes we can make. It's just um, another piece of the um, crap recruitment really that we suffered from um, after the playoff win. Um, we need, we'll need two new keepers next year, I think, because it sounds like Arnold may well be, be done with um, the back injuries out with, um, yeah, whatever division we're in, I think there'll be um, a, a new first choice keeper and, pro- and a new second choice keeper. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm just looking at the Cobblers lineup because although I'm a big fan of homegrown players, the under 18 goalie on the bench, I think his name is Woods. I don't know a lot about him, but um, well, he's not even. I don't think he's even the first because it's Dylan Berry, isn't it? Who's the youth team yeah. keeper? He's been yeah, on the bench for us, so he's yeah. probably so Berry's probably injured now as well. I'm, I'm guessing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So that doesn't fill you with confidence in terms of the squad strength. In fact, it's staring us straight in the face that the squad is paper thin. So that was a bit of a negative one. I just think with Mitchell, um, we, we talked about it before that he's often described as a young keeper, but he's not. How old is he, James? Because I've said this several times. Did you say he was 26? Yeah, so he's 26. He's he's on you know on loan from Derby, a good a good solid club. And for me, with that age and the club he's at, he should be a bit better and we'll talk about it later on but we'll have a little chat about players that are league one quality and I'm not sure he is but you can't you can't blame him completely of course um that's not his fault that the the header was pretty much a free one and he did his best with it but it just didn't work out um let's switch to the cobbler's goal um we've been critiquing our defense and Kaz might have something to say about this one uh first cobbler's goal well the only cobbler's goal came on 78 minutes um we didn't look like scoring at all for me, and it was a bit of a soft one. Um, came from a long ball forward from Harriman. Alex Jones runs onto it and was brought down quite comically by a tumbling Jack Baldwin. Uh, obviously, Hoskins nails a penalty quite coolly afterwards. But um, Kaz, for you, like <laughs> one, I can just imagine what you felt like when that happened. <laughs> Two, like, what, do you think it was a penalty? I mean, it, like, yeah, it was Bristol Rovers all over to concede a, a penalty like that. But, um, yeah, like, to be honest, I, I did question it when I first saw it. And looking back at it, I'm still not sure it was a penalty. Um, yeah. I, I felt like 
Bolden was fouled first um, and then did, couldn't really do a lot and then sort of fell into your player and then obviously brought him down. Um, but then I, I do think it looked a bit of a an exaggerated dive as well, a little bit. Um, if uh, I analyse these things and I go frame by frame when, when I see a replay and he does take a while to actually fall to the ground after contact's made. Um, yeah. So it is questionable, but like I said, you had a couple of penalty shouts. There was one earlier on that I thought should have perhaps been a penalty on another day. It would have been given. And then if the players are hounding the ref, saying that he's made a, you know the wrong decision, um, then that's in the back of the ref's mind. And he thinks, oh, maybe I've made a mistake. And you never know. He might be thinking, OK, I'll, I'll, I'll be extra careful to make sure I don't make a mistake again. And then he probably <laughs> saw that, saw, saw him get brought down and thought, yeah, before I'll give it. But um, yeah. yeah, I'm not blaming it. I'm not blaming the loss on that because I think we are our own worst enemy with this sort of thing. It is our own fault. Um, we should have put the game to bed, like I said. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just the, the way it's gone this season, to be honest. We've had some questionable refereeing. Joe Barton's been on the phone to uh, Mike Jones, head of refereeing, like a few times, actually, <laughs> um, nice. questioning the League One officials. But Hey, that's what you get when you're in League One. I'm sure they're going to be even worse in League Two. So, uh, yeah, I've just got, I've just got to score goals and then you don't have to worry about these bad decisions, do you? Yeah, that's true. We've talked a lot about set pieces and stuff like that. If we're scoring through free play, this doesn't really, or either side is scoring through free play, this isn't necessarily such a problem. I can just sort of commiserate with you the, the fashion of that penalty, though, because like it was a comedy fall, really, from... Um, your guy <laughs> and just just a soft penalty to just to give away. I can imagine how gutting it was. And I can imagine your fans were like, just um, there's some on the hill actually. They were probably just like, what have we come all this all this way to watch for? But uh, it yeah. is what it is, and it was given. So uh, um, Hos- let's go to you on this penalty, James, because it was quite cool for Hoskins to s- uh, step up and put it down the middle when he missed that last one. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie, I, I was uh, I was shaking because <laughs> yeah. uh, I was just like, oh no, because you, you, you almost kind of like think of the person, don't you? Oh my God, what if he misses again? So fair yeah. play to him for, for you know, stepping up and taking it again. I mean, we, we did allude to the fact that I think that was the, the Wimbledon one was the first one he'd missed for us, but it was such a massive miss, wasn't it? That it almost took on a whole level, new level of importance. Yeah. Uh, he's been pretty reliable for us from the spot up until before then. So um, I think he did the right thing because he normally goes to the keeper's right, doesn't he? And this time he almost did that David Beckham style straight down the middle against Argentina in 2002. You know, uh, if you're in doubt, just smash it down the middle, which is what Ian Hendon always used to do as well, didn't he? And mm-hmm. off, more often scored than not. So fair play for stepping up and taking it. I think that takes a lot of a lot of you know, bravery to do that. And I, I'm, yeah. I'm really happy for him that, that he, that it hit the back of the net. I, I'm going to disagree with Kaz. I did think it was a penalty. I, I can kind of see what, what, what she's saying in terms of Jones does kind of slightly lean on him beforehand, but I think he goes down a bit too easily for my liking and tries to win the free kick and then almost yeah. kind of pounds his error. But I, I think the referee got all, all of them spot on because if you look at the, the, the Jones penalty appeal, the second one, which I think Brady was on about, it was almost kind of a similar level of contact on Jones. And he this time he goes over very easily. So there is a slight shirt pull on him, you see. But one, he's not going to get anywhere near the ball. And, and two, it, it was almost pretty, you know, exaggerated, like I thought, you know, the Bristol Rovers defenders was. So I think the ref mm-hmm. got all the decisions spot on, if I'm honest. Um, but yeah thankfully we, we we stuck it away this time and, and managed to get a point mm, that sounds a reasonable 
summary. Martin, I've heard that Sam Hoskins' dad was preparing his emigration papers to move to a remote tropical island if he missed, so thankfully he didn't. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, he, yeah, he managed he to nail it because James is right. If he'd have missed that, he would have got absolutely pelted, <laughs> been smashed. So, yeah, I mean, um, he's he's a nice scapegoat, isn't he, for it? for a lot of um, supporters um, and if it wasn't him it'd just be some someone else but no it, it took it took bottles to do that which was good and I do think you know sometimes you have to think about processes rather than outcomes and as, as James said first first one he's missed um, I can't think there's anyone I'm looking at out there I'm thinking oh you know x or y would be would be better so trust the process you know he's missed one so far he's um, he's got the confidence to do it yeah, that's um, that's good stuff. Um, fair play to him because yeah, it would have been pretty unpleasant on social media, I'm sure, if he'd have um, missed it because some people seem to enjoy his failures more than they enjoy um, other people's successes. Mm. I guess Jones might have been one to take it. He's a, he's a forward. He sort of earns it himself, but Hoskins is number one penalty taking, as you say, processes. You just trust the processes. You trust him doing them pretty well all season, and thankfully he nailed it. Let's talk about a couple of other notable moments in a very like fairly drab game. Um, Kaz Upson with the Yabaro off the bar. Like I didn't expect it. You you sort of expected it in terms of he's got that uh, technique on him. It bounced off the bar and off Mitchell and came out, but a massive let off for Northampton at that point. Yeah, it was the typical typical Bristol Rovers where they realised that now they conceded and they've got to go and do something. So it's almost immediate, wasn't it, with the reaction? Um, and I think he just got in that position. And I've seen it before from Ed Upson. He scored a few like that and they have gone in or or it's smashed off the crossbar or the post. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely a, an ambitious effort, but he, he knows he's got that in his locker. Um, so I, I'm not surprised he went for it, but I do think it was a bit of a panic. Um, like, oh, we've got to do something here. Whereas yeah. before we weren't really, we were hesitant to shoot, weren't really taking our chances. And then he's just seen it and gone, OK, I'm going to give it a go. And yeah, very fortunate for uh, the way it bounced off your keeper and it went out, um, could have easily bounced the other way or completely missed him and bounced in. Yeah, so yeah. Re- really unfortunate for Ed not to score that. But um, again, all of us gasses would just say, it's too late to start <laughs> start doing that now. You should have been doing that across the full 90. But um, yeah. I'm glad it didn't go in, but I'm not surprised it's gone that way, to be honest. <laughs> it's never too late for a shot like that. I just thought it was a great shot. I was just mad I had had over the mouth moment. But um, yeah. yeah, I guess it's the small margins of League One is that if that goes in, Rovers fan, Rovers have effectively won the game and Rovers fans would be buoyant. You know, we're we're still in this. Cobblers fans will just be spitting their dummies out. We're, we're, we're done for, but it doesn't go in and, you know, it's it's not necessarily reverse those feelings but both uh sets of supporters are down in the mouth about the results so yeah it's just that's just league one for you it's very fine margins um james there was a penalty shout you were talking about on jones um you you reckon that would the ref got that right in terms of not giving it i don't i don't think it's a penalty no he goes over too easily uh like i say you know there is there is a shirt pull on him so you could say technically it is a foul but if you look at the the kind of the GoPro footage that the club put on, the ball is so far out of his reach, it's almost redundant, frankly. And yeah. there'll be people saying, "Well, he's pulled the shirt, so it's a it's a penalty." He goes over way too easily. It's a very slight target. If you give that one, you'd be giving you know ten penalties a game. Um, yeah. So no, not a penalty for for me. But I, I did think the one on 
the one that was given was. So uh, I, I, I'm in concurrence with the referee on all the decisions that he made, to be honest. Okay. Probably pretty unusual over a match to be in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, w- I will say, just going back on that um, that sh- strike from Upson, I mean, it's almost, it was it was one of those goals you'd almost be like, you know what, I'm not even that gutted to lose that because it's just <laughs> such a hell of a strike, isn't Lordy. it? Um, yeah. It's just really not becoming of the game that it was part of. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, we, it, we, we've, you know, spoken a lot of times this year where we've not had quite the quite the run of the ball and we, we certainly got the the luck with with that one in terms of it you know one coming off the bar and then two like Kaz said the way it deflected off Mitchell more often than not they tend to go in when they kind of hit the keeper afterwards don't they so yeah, yeah we're dead lucky on that yep I agree with that um we're going to get on to the man of the match is in a minute or you know from both sides but it's slim pickings in terms of that really uh, wasn't a particularly good performance from either side but I just want to make a quick note about Jones and Chukwamika, who both came on, and myself and James, uh, probably Martin as well, to be fair, all, all fans of Chukwamika, and we've all been saying, you know, why isn't he getting more games? Now, for me, it was a bit of a cameo, probably not ideal to be given Chukwamika to be thrown in at that deep end at this type stage of the season when he could have been given more opportunities earlier on. But for me, I, I felt he acquitted himself really well, and he's just an absolute, he's a unit, he's tall. He's direct, he can dribble with the ball and, you know, I would like to see a lot more of him um, before the end of the season. And same for Jones, really. They just look like imposing forwards. And for me, I probably can say it now, I I think Danny Rose has been a letdown this season. I think he works very hard, but his goal threat is not enough for me and it's a goal scoring game. Um, And the same for Edmondson. I'll probably say the exact same for him. They They both work hard, but... I would prefer really to see Jones and Chukwamika up top against Posh. Uh, it's going to be on Friday now. Um, James, what, what do you reckon in terms of Jones and Chukwamika's impression on the game? Well, I mean, they were cle- clearly a, a lot better when, when they came on. Um, yeah. It's it's kind of almost a, a shame that it, it like took an injury, didn't it, for, for Rose, for it to kind of, for us to play that particular card. Um, yeah. I mean, Chukwamika is a young lad, isn't he? And, but, what I like about him is that you can tell he's got flair and yeah, okay, not everything he's going to do is going to come off. You know, literally the first yeah. thing he did when he came on was give a free kick away. And yeah. you're going to have frustrating moments with him, obviously. But I think what he brings us something that none of the other strikers do, which is a bit of flair. You know, that, yeah. that little two-touch bit he did to take on near the halfway line that took two Rovers players out of the equation and, you know, allowed us to counter <clears throat> was, was superb. So you're going to get for, for every kind of little flaw you get from him, you're going to get something new that he offers that the team doesn't have. Uh, Jones, I, I mean, it clearly is our best striker um, in that he's, you know, had very minimal minutes, but whenever he's been on the pitch, he has looked threatening. Um, so I'd question why he's not at a fit level at the moment. Cause he's been with us for about is it five weeks now, at least. Mm. Um so you you you'd think you'd you'd question you know surely he's got to be up to a decent level of fitness now where you, you'd hope he can start games now, um, and certainly I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. I think we we know what we're getting with Edmondson and Rose. They work their absolute socks off, but at the yeah. end of the day they're not scoring goals. We we do I do think we play better um, with Edmondson in the team, but we're at the stage now where we need we need goals, and I think Jones is certainly the most likely striker to offer us goals. 
and like like I said, Chuck Wilmaker just offers us a, a, a bit of flair. So I'd be inclined to, you know, go for it in the last few games because we need wins and we're not going to score many goals with the current lineup that we have. We know that. And the teams we're playing are all fighting for promotion virtually, aren't they? So, yeah, you know, we're not looking at too many clean sheets, I'd argue as well. So I think we need to look for getting goals in these last few games and going to win games because the odd point here and then is not is not going to be good enough because we've got situations where the teams below us are playing each other. Is, is it next week where is it Rochdale or Swindon? Uh, so it's Wimbledon or, and Swindon are playing each other, aren't they? And they're both. So one of them is going to get points or they're both going to get a point. So we need to go for wins now. Um, and for that, we need people on the pitch who can score goals. And at the moment, Rose and Edmondson, for all the amount of effort they put in, aren't offering that. Mm, I'd agree with all of that as well, put James. Um, I like Chuck Wimika's ability to back off defenders. They back off him. They, they're just slightly unsure of him. I don't think they back off particularly Rose. You know what you can get with Rose. He's fairly one-paced. He's can produce moments of magic like that amazing overhead kick. But yeah, he's got that X factor to an extent, Chuck Wimika, and like you say, flair, ability. And he's got progression in him. I'm pretty sure he's, he's going to get better. So he's a player for me. I just don't understand why he hasn't played more. But obviously, um, John Brady's a manager and he knows well, it through the well, use. Well, of... Brady knows him better than anyone. Yeah. And he, yeah, he yeah, thinks yeah. He's, not, he's not training well enough. But I'd argue at the point that we, we don't need players who are training well at the moment. We need players who are going to do it on the pitch. Yeah. I think back to players like Leon McKenzie, who didn't train for us at all virtually because we wrapped him in cotton wool you know, for, for a week. But when he went yeah. out on the pitch on a Saturday, he scored goals for us and delivered. Yeah. We need players on the pitch who are going to deliver, who, but they might not necessarily deliver in training. I think is it Dietmar Haman is like considered one of like the worst trainers of all time or something by all, all the Liverpool players who train with him. But he delivered yeah. every time on a Saturday. Yeah. We're, we're at the point where we need that. We need players who are delivering yeah. on a Saturday rather than midweek on, on the training pitch. Yeah, there's no point in having strikers that, OK, they, they, they track back well and they train well. But they don't score. It's completely it's just it's just rendered irrelevant, isn't it? Um, Martin, I know you're a, to be fair a big fan of not a big fan. You are a reasonable fan of Edmondson's work rate and ditto Rose. But you know, do you sort of consider what me and James are saying that the way it's sort of desperation stakes now? Um, I don't think necessarily it's it's, des- it's desperation. I think yeah. I mean, I've said we look a better side around a player like Edmondson, um, but he can't hit a cow's ass with a banjo and that ultimately is gonna gonna cost you gonna cost you up front i thought we were a much much better side with jones leading the line and with chuck Wilmaker in the three behind um i think he's almost better in a three than he would be in a two up for a three behind a a number nine than he would be up front because he can get around the pitch different areas and, and run at people more so and marshall me, we should add and marshall yes yeah yeah and i think you know, you've got to go out and try and win games, and that includes going to posh and trying to win. Um, that looked a much better shape and set of personnel that we finished with than with we, than we started with. Um, I think um, I watched Brady's interview just not long before doing before doing this, and Brady all but said Jones has played himself into the side. Um, he said he might he's probably good for an hour, and I'd probably rather go with an hour of someone from the off than. Do I bring them on at half time to bring on with 20 to go, 10 to go, and, and so on? You know, if he's our best bet, then he starts. But I'd kind of like to see something approximating to the side we finished with. Um, 
to be in the side we start with at posh and in the slightly more winnable games as well. I think that looked a better shape. I thought Chuck Wameka, I was really impressed. Um, so after some decision-making that wasn't so good, but you're probably only going to improve on that in-game situation. I think Jones has been excellent every time he's come on. Um, mm. So that gives me some hope. And ultimately, you know, as much as I like Edmondson's work rate and he scored goals elsewhere, it's just not worked from here. He's been through some issues off the park as well, it would seem. So, yeah, you know, I think the players who finished that game should be the players in possession of the shirts because we finished a hell of a lot stronger than we started. Mm. I think also, if we do go down, I think I'd rather base a strike force around people like Chuck Mika and Jones rather than vice versa. Edmondson will probably go back to Leeds. Might not necessarily see him again after this season. Uh, Dudley Rose is always going to be a, a useful squad player. I'm sorry, Kaz, for boring you with all this Northampton talk. Oh, no, um, it's all a... interesting. It's all interesting <laughs> for me. <laughs> um, do you have a little word about player or anyone that impressed for you for Bristol Rovers and maybe any changes you'd expect for the next game? God, can I give man of the match to the people on the hill? <laughs> that, that was impressive. I hadn't, I hadn't seen that before this season. Yeah, I'm surprised no one else has thought of it, to be honest. Because it's like everyone knows about the hill, don't they? But um, yeah, I, like to be honest, it was a, it was a bad performance all round from Rovers, really. I guess if I was going to give it to anyone, it'd be Leahy just purely because he scored the goal. Um, yeah. but yeah, I just thought. Iunga had a shocker. Um, he had a really impressive performance against Portsmouth earlier on in the season where we thought he'd turned a corner and, and he was going to be the next JCH and he's just been anonymous since then. And yeah, I just thought he was really hesitant. He had no confidence about him. He brought the ball down well, but he didn't do much else. Um, it was a shame to see Zane Walker come on. So I think he came on quite late, didn't he? Um, but he should have started from me because he's been doing well he's a youngster um Pablo Martinez as well as another youngster um if he was if he performed that way and he was a pro like you know he, he's been playing for years and I probably wouldn't you know bring him up to be honest but um uh, because I know he's a youngster and he's inexperienced I'll, I'll say that he had quite a good game based on that um yeah like to be honest it's difficult for us because we are hit with injuries um I was I was given false hope that Rodman was going to come back and Kilgore was going to be available um, before yesterday's game, but it turns out they're not. And um, Joey's come out and said that Rodman's had some illness, which meant he's lost weight. And Grant looks like he's not going to come back for the rest of the season. Kilgore still needs to assess in. So we're hit with injuries. We're having to play the youngsters. Um, so to be honest, it's, it's tricky for us, obviously. It's not an excuse to blame injuries for where we are, but it's difficult. And you've got such a thin squad. Um, so, if, yeah, if I was Joey, I, I would continue to play the youngsters. Um, I would play Zane Walker. I would play Pablo Martinez. I'd just play the, the ones that are going to try and put 100% in every single game. Um, and, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't change much. I'd probably drop Hanlon. Um, sorry, Iunga after yesterday's performance and I'd put Walker in. But it's tricky. It is really tricky when, when you've got so many injuries and no offence, but really bad squad. <laughs> what, what can you do? Um, just got to yeah, try and fight and do our very best and hope that luck is on our side for the remainder of the season. I can't see us staying up, if I'm honest, but mm-hmm. we go again yeah. next year. I was going to say, I think it all, all goes back to that 
late 90s playoff defeat to Northampton. You've, Bristol Rovers has never got over it as a football club and it's just all coming home to roost now. It's not like we'd ever go on about it, Tom. <laughs> no, I know, because um, Ian Atkins actually used to do that. He used to beast uh, players before the day of a game. There was some rationale behind it. I can't remember what it is. I think it's basically if you're sort of out on your feet, you're sort of living off your wits and you sort of try harder. But I don't know if uh, Paul's Dis- Paul Tisdale was using the Ian Atkins playbook to, uh, in doing that. But no, it's just... Um, I just think sometimes when you get in that rut of spinning the, the dice and changing so many managers that you just, it's just so difficult to turn it around. And I think maybe that's what Bristol Rovers are suffering with now, just too many changes. Yeah, like what are the players supposed to do? They've had four different men in charge. If you include Tommy when he took over in the interim between appointments, they've had four different managers try yeah. and coach them and tell them how to play all different styles. Like it's got to affect them mentally. Um, and they've been told to do one thing one week and another thing the next week and they signed for Ben Garner because they were attracted to the way that he wanted to play football and they were all game for that and then 10 games later like 10 games is nothing really is it if you've got a squad I mean he he recruited so many players that squad was Ben Garner's and they signed for him they played 10 games he's got that a new guy comes in tries to change everything like you you just think it just doesn't work does it if they're going to get rid of Ben Garner they should have done it before the transfer window and they should have, yeah, they should have done it in the summer. Let someone else come in, build their own squad. Don't let a man build a squad and then sack him after ten games. It just, yeah. it was never going to work. I was going to say it's really interesting that both teams kind of struggles this season sound essentially down to poor recruitment, don't they? And we, we, we often as fans have like this, you know, massive uh, kind of, you know, worry about who the manager is. Whereas you, you don't really think, oh, who, who's the head of recruitment or, or things mm-hmm. like that. But it sounds like it's, it, you know, I know Kelvin has been on about you know restructuring the whole the whole kind of club isn't he uh in in the summer it's gonna be really interesting to see what emphasis we place on recruitment um given you know that the the troubles we've had this season and the fact that it it appears to be the problem for a lot of lot of clubs in that you can go through several managers but if the if the players you've recruited in the first place aren't good enough it doesn't matter how good the manager is exactly Mm -hmm. i think um recruitment is a bit of a weird phase in sort of football cycles because a lot of it now is is going towards sort of data analysis and there's various clubs that are sort of lead on the forefront of that and if you're just sending out a, a, a scout like you used to do in the old days to watch a game and try and pick up players like that you're sort of been left in the past so maybe um it's going to take league one clubs league two clubs a bit of a while to catch up with some of the stuff that's going on in terms of that i think luton recently hired a new data analyst to look at player recruitment and stuff like that so there's a good article in the um, independent i think it was about that how things are having to change a little bit so maybe that might be part of the reason cobbler's definitely recruitment we always talk about our failures this season but for me definitely a huge portion goes down to keith cowell's uh, recruitment and some of i'm a couple of people were saying, oh, Keith Cowell's doing pretty well at Oldham. It's irrelevant, isn't it? If he's doing well at Oldham, he was, he's pretty bad for us this season and we're sort of seeing the uh, sort of effects of it even now. Um, Kaz has talked about a man of the match for Bristol Rovers in terms of Lee here with his his sort of goal. Um, James, who would be, be your man of the match for Northampton? McWilliams by Country Mile. Yeah. I, I don't think there was anyone who, who was close to him. I mean, Jones and Chuck Willmaker and Marshall all did well when they came on, but for a 90-minute performance, I thought he was by far our best player. Uh, just did what we know he does very well. Broke at the broke at the play. I thought he just showed a little bit more attacking intent as well when he broke up his play. You know, normally there were a few times when he won the ball back and then he kind of did nice swivels and managed to create attacking opportunities from from having the one won the ball back. 
And uh, so, yeah, I thought he was comfortably our man of the match. Yep. Sounds decent enough to me. Um, Martin, are you in agreement with James? I think McWilliams, far and away, our, our best player. But I think there's a definite difference in McWilliams when he plays a much, much deeper, almost plays in front of the back four. He looks a better player. He's got a bit more space there. He becomes a bit, even though he's playing further back on the park, he becomes more progressive, carrying the ball forward and doing stuff. And I, I'd like to see, you know, when we set up again, I, I think that gets the best out of him. Playing him further back there, where he sees more of the game and he becomes a bit more of an attacking threat. Whereas I think when he's in the mid middle of midfield with all the hustle and bustle, I don't think we see the best of him. Yeah, I'd go with McWilliams as well. He's just... He's just um, just so combative and he just makes that midfield tick. And you can see why people have talked about him maybe not staying in Farmington for too long because his performances are just are so strong. I say he does need to improve on the fluency of maybe the attacking play that Martin alluded to, and maybe becoming more of a link man rather than just a destroyer. But out of yesterday's performances, he's easily Northampton's best for me. Um, let's read out a couple of the... Readers' comments. We put the tweet out there on NQNTFC to discuss basically the game and can, if Cobblers can stay up. And uh, I just read out a couple of the tweeters' comments. Gary Lester GPR tweeted us to say the run is so tough, so I don't fancy us to be honest. I think Kaz was saying that as well, so it's probably a similar thing to Bristol Rovers. Um, James Sills tweeted us to say mu- pretty much the same consensus as others. It's criminal that Alex Jones doesn't start. Him and Caleb. Chukwamika made a real difference when they came on. In particular, when Jones is on, there's always a chance because he'll finish, which uh, makes some sense. Uh, Joshua, performance was really poor, but the subs did make a difference when they had come on. Alex Jones needs to be starting games now. I can't see where wins are coming from, though. Uh, Ali, 1973 Tolbert. Alex Jones has to play. Pretty short and sweet, that one. Keith Buckby tweeted us to say, we lost in January we lost it in January, February when we gave points to nearly all our relegation rivals. If we are to have any chance, Brady has to be braver, but I think he's left it way too late. Too much misplaced faith in Edmondson and Rose. Carl Scott now needing a away result to stay up. Alex Jones has to start. Uh, Sully Man only looked a threat with Jones and Chukwamika up top. With our remaining games, I would be amazed if we stayed up. Uh, Adam Barbie slightly stronger performance was pathetic a point is better than nothing but we haven't turned up again Williams was a major plus but of the starters that's it Jones and Chukwamika made a difference but changes were too late we need to go back to playing with width which is a reasonable point given we've changed this narrow system which isn't really doing much in terms of creativity and Stampy finally said nope we won't stay up at least 4-0 next week which will bring us on to the Peterborough game. Yeah, we've got Peterborough on good, <laughs> not on Good Friday. It's going to be a bad Friday, isn't it, next Friday? Because um, we're going to wrap up now. But are you, I know you were fairly pessimistic going into the game. Are you now just thinking basically Rovers are running out of times, running out of games and the running is too hard for Rovers? Yeah, I mean, I'm clinging on to the hope that some of the teams we're playing have nothing to play for. So crew, for example, um, they're mid-table. They're not really going for anything. So hopefully we could get something out of that. And I think they just lost 5-0 or something to Oxford, didn't they? Um, So they're off form. Lincoln have also only won two in the last 14. Um, 
but again it's just it's down to us I mean we need to forget everything that's going on elsewhere we need to forget everyone else's form we've just got to play what is in front of us and we've got to win um sadly I think we need to get at least three wins in the next five um to stay up and I just can't see it happening and this is cruel it's cruel that there's four spaces in it like if there was like two that I'd be confident that we would say I think Rochdale will probably mm. finish bottom because they've got they've got the toughest run in Rochdale um but sadly Wimbledon always seem to get out of it every year uh Wigan are starting to pick up some fun they had an impressive win yesterday um I just yeah I just can't see it. I think we're going to be one of the four um as for you guys obviously I can't comment too much on, on how your season's gone like how you how you've played like performance wise but it does sound like you're very similar to us uh, so I would be surprised to see both of us in that bottom four I'm afraid yeah it was quite irritating did Wimbledon won as well yesterday didn't they they got a really good uh win yeah, yeah they beat Accrington 5-1 where are these goals one. coming from with these clubs well I, mean, I think mm, Accrington have imploded haven't they in in recent weeks uh posh put seven past them um we beat them 4-1 we beat them 4-1 <laughs> I mean like how the hell did that happen <laughs> wouldn't read too much into Wimbledon to be honest <laughs> uh, Accrington definitely seemed to be on the beach a bit early mm. yeah so Kaz is I wouldn't even actually say pessimistic, fairly level-headed about Bristol Rovers' chances, and it's going to be obviously difficult for them. We're, along with Bristol Rovers, the two lowest scorers in the league. Northampton are quite clearly the lowest scorers in the league. James, is it you know similar to what I said to Kaz in terms of just literally running out of games, our running being very difficult, posh on Friday, and just been struggling to score from open play so badly? It's just going to be an uphill task, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you know, I, I don't like my head ruling my heart, but you know, I've 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 thought for a little while that I can't see us staying up. Like like I alluded to last week, I'm at least happy that we're giving it a bit of a fight, um, which I don't think we would have done. Um, but you know, to to not win a single game against the all of the teams around us in in the spell under Brady as, as I think made it incredibly difficult for us. Um, but for, so yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with, with Gaz. I think both sides yesterday look like they will go down. And I think it's probably going to be between um, Wimbledon, Swindon and uh, Wigan for, for the remaining place. Cause I think Rochdale are pretty much down now, aren't they? And it looks like it's going to be four from those six. Um, so unless we, completely change style and uh, play some flair players um, we're not going to score enough goals to keep us up I don't think uh, and the running we have is uh, is very hard to, to put it bluntly uh, it just <laughs> is um, so yeah uh, but that said whenever we've done anything we've always done it the hard way so <laughs> that's the that's the kind of one small crumb of, of, of comfort I have but I think you know, I think we'd all be lying if we hadn't mentally prepared ourselves for uh, the very likely possibility that we would go down, given that we are in the bottom two for, for a lot of metrics and have mm. been throughout the season. Mm. Uh, the, the defence has come on marvellously in, re in recent weeks and we are at least difficult to beat now, with the exception of, of the whole game that we've had. That's yeah. the only game where we've been comfortably beaten under Brady. Every other defeat's been by one goal, hasn't it? So we're at least competitive in games now, but the, just the, the alarming lack of goals. I mean, I think you've alluded to the statistics before. Was it, was it say that we're we're like we've got to score six more or something for 
to match the lowest tally ever, is it, or something like that? Yeah, one of the stats is basically if we go one more game goalless, it'll be the record for the number of shutouts, you know, i.e. goalless games over a season. So how many games are left? Is it five now? Five. 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 So five for pro- us. There's a couple of uh, teams that have games in hand, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Rochdale so, have got two in hand. Yeah. Yeah, tight. so Bosch beat us to nil, there'll be a record. And when you're making all-time records for least number of goals you've got nowhere to hide have you and it's just mm. it's just it's a goal scoring game as I said earlier on and if we don't score goals we're not very good at football that's my overall sort of judgment of the thing um Martin you're an optimistic kind of guy optimistic cobblers fan I, I don't understand why sometimes considering you've been watching the club since the early 80s well I've whatever you're on Martin <laughs> but like let's look at it positively we're two points above the drop zone which is could could be quite crucial at some point you know every point counts if we just pick up points whenever teams are losing we can or get the odd win we can maybe just just do enough to scrape up even by a single point yeah I mean we five games left if we win two of them we probably stay up I just don't see us winning two of them I probably don't see us I, I think it would be a real turn up to win any of the remaining games and we'd need to we'd need to win two, I think, to be in the conversation. Um, when Kaz said they've got Crew and Link in the play, we'd be killing for fixtures like that. But every team we're playing, um, I think, has got something to play for. Bar Gillingham, perhaps, maybe. I, think, I don't know. Well, Gillingham not around the play? Have they tailed off a bit? But I just look at the table now. So Gillingham are in tenth, and they are yeah, they are in touch with the playoff to be fair they're four points off it so they'll be going for it the, but, the only the only possible thing is Sunderland might not have something to play for on the last day in that, that it might already be promoted or they might only be able to get in the playoffs but I think everyone else is pretty much going for something aren't they yeah so potentially everyone else going for something and then playing the team that may because it's still in their own obviously I'm fairly well versed in in Sunderland because the other half um the team that if they win all their remaining games will have won won the title. It's it doesn't look good any way we look at it. But you know we you know we I don't I think there's no sense in being too pessimistic. We realistic. We've it's in our own hands. We've just yep. got a lot of very good teams left to play, and we just wasted so much time in the first half of the season when we could have played differently or or perhaps made a change mm. earlier because we've seemed a little bit better since Brady's come in and been a bit more flexible with tactics. But yeah, tough times. Realistically, I would expect we'll be doing this call again next year with the same personnel <laughs> and we'll be in a different <laughs> league. <laughs> the, the thing is, Martin, is that it, just to say we put in an amazing... Do you know, it's, it's a derby game on Friday, right? Derby games, a lot, t- lot of times form goes out the window. And if we absolutely go for it, we just, you know, we get a 1-0 win to save we posh. That lines us up for the Gillingham game, I think I'm right. And if we can if we can beat them, this is all like completely hypothetical and very unlikely. That I was that really hoping you were, saying, you were going to say you had some inside info there, Tom. Yeah, well, I hope I do. If you listen. But I, was, I was quite laughing at what James was saying in terms of cobblers always a difficult town and a difficult team and we'll do the opposite of what you want so if we all think we're down maybe just to you know spite us the team will win and stay up so hopefully <laughs> that might work but yeah it's it's clutching at straws and that probably ties a whole game yesterday together we were clutching at straws for 
penalty shouts and stuff like that. Bristol Rovers were clutching at straws for a improbable 40-yard volleys, and it never, it, never, <laughs> it never paid off. But listen, if we both clutching, go down, clutching can... at straws, and we're both missing them. Yes. <laughs> Put it this way: we 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 owe we're owed a result against Peterborough, aren't we? Yeah. You know. I mean, it's not as if we rode any luck against them because they've comprehensively outplayed us every time we've played them in recent history. But it would be nice for them not to just consistently beat us easily all the time. I would like a crumb of comfort, you know, um, for for our spells in League One, not of having not lost to them every single time. It's just <laughs> depressing, isn't it? A little, yeah. a little, little five nil away win there, like in eighty four, eighty five, maybe. <laughs> See if we get Ian Benjamin off his po- off his postman round. He can knock a hat trick in there. I was saying to Kaz, they need Barry Hales back. That's what they need. <laughs> He's still really good. Yeah, ba- Barry Hales, Gary Penrice out of retirement. Devon White, you'll be all right. Can Sean St. Ledger be in defence for them as well, please? <laughs> Honestly, take anything, to be honest. Get Joe Barton to get his boots on. Yeah. <laughs> it can't be much worse. Yeah, I bet he probably can still do a job, actually. But listen, I it's been... So. It's been um, good talking. As always, it's a bit of catharsis to talk and stuff and a bit of therapy. So it sort of just uh, gets it all out of our system. Enjoy the rest of your uh, weekend and we'll talk again soon, hopefully. Take it easy. Cheers. 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 Thanks all. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Guys, take it easy. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.